Hello and welcome back to the Folk Podcast. We apologize that last week we did not have an episode. It just didn't fall on the cards. I had a community hike. Um, we all got a little bit busy and uh, we forgot to plan ahead. So but don't worry, we're back. Uh, we're not going anywhere, but we did need to take a week off. Uh, so first off, uh, Caleb, Ian, how are you guys doing? How's life treating you? Good. No complaints here. Yep. Ian, you got the new digs, the new basement. Yep. That's pretty much oh. it for me, yeah. Moving again around as usual. My second kid will be here in what well, we need time between now and the 16th of March. Yeah, we don't believe in paternity leave here because none of us get paid to actually be on this podcast, technically. Uh, so you're welcome to, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as that kid pops out, you're right back on the podcast. I want to be there. I want I want the folk podcast to be in there in the maternity ward or whatever it's called. Like, I, I want to. Labor and delivery? Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> Labor and delivery. That makes it sound so corporate, like deliver the baby. <laughs> uh but i expect that at some point i mean we're probably just not going to hear from caleb and just assume that the baby was born or uh ever is in labor uh so you may not be able to join us for the next couple of episodes but we're glad to have you here now uh so our idea today and i do need to give us a little explanation to the audience here of my master plan and what i've been doing is today we're going to be talking about vikings valhalla the first episode at least our first impressions and kind of our expectations going into it now the reason that i've been so heavy on the vikings content here lately uh even though i'm usually i don't talk about it um if you pay attention to the youtube as well i've released several videos kind of targeted at this and the reason for it is, is we don't often get new things to talk about in the Norse pagan heathen world, just simply because there's not a lot of new things happening unless you're the ones doing it. Uh, just because, I mean, unless they find a new artifact, a new book or anything like that, our information is pretty old. Uh, so I don't want to get into the point where I'm just talking about the same thing over and over again. So when something new comes up, I feel it is necessary to cover it. Not to mention there's so many new people that are going to come to the faith because of the show, as some people may hate that, but it's the reality and it's the truth. The real question remains, is it a good thing based on the show and how it's going so far? Now, Ian and I are basically done. I'm done. Ian's one episode away. Uh, Caleb literally just watched the first episode, like minutes before we started recording. Uh, so I do have like the basic story structure down. Uh, this is going to only be uh, spoilers as best as we can uh, for the first episode. And then we may do a spoiler kind of conversation review. Uh, but yeah, the reason we're doing this is just simply because, you know, it's something new. Uh, I mean, it's exciting that uh, the Norse pagan heathen world is getting attention, even if it is something like this. Um, so Caleb, what's your overall, like, how, what, what would you well, actually, let's take a step back. Going into this, let's just go around. What were your expectations for Vikings Valhalla? Like, what were your thoughts before going into it? I didn't really give it much thoughts beforehand just because I know how the uh, the first series, you know, Vikings turned out and went. You know, it was good there for, like, the first few seasons, and then it kind of just went off on this weird sex triangle thing. It was a big mess. Uh, this one, like, I kept seeing the things come up on, like, Instagram and stuff like that. This didn't pay it much mind. I'm like, I might check it out. I might not check it out. Didn't know we were going to do this episode. Probably should have because, you know, we knew we were going to get more people interested in the faith off of it. Um, but overall, I, I felt like it was decent, you know, for the first episode. It, it kept uh, kept my attention well enough because most of the time it seems like when I start new things, it's either it's going to catch me right away or you've got to sit there and like slog through the first three episodes before it actually like gets interesting. Oh, like Peaky Blinders. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still haven't <laughs> been able to get don't, into that. Don't just be hating on my Peaky Blinders now. <laughs> I want to watch the show, but I'm just like every time I sit down and watch the Lambert, she gets bored and it's like, okay, let's just watch. Something Seriously, else. it takes like the entire first season to get going. Now it does get good once it gets going, but like, <laughs> does it take the whole first season to get going? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like Last Kingdom. Honestly, I I mm-hmm. I did not like Last Kingdom when I first watched it. Uh, yeah. Just because the first like three or four episodes were so boring. I hated Uhtred as a character. Um, and it really wasn't towards the end of the season that I got into it. Then by season two, I was in. Like, I, I really liked it after season one. I was the same way. It took me, I think, two two or three attempts at The Last Kingdom to watch that. Same thing with Peaky Blinders. You know, it took me probably two attempts to watch the first season, you know, thoroughly throughout. Um, so, yeah, I feel that pain. Ian, what were your expectations going into Vikings Valhalla? So for me, my expectations going into it, I, I was going into it that it was going to be um, very similar, not an exact carbon copy of just History Channel's Vikings, because it is ne- done by Netflix instead of the History Channel. So obviously Netflix had, and it's not, you know, it says based off of, you know, uh, Hearst Vikings TV series, blah, blah, blah. So obviously they would have new director, new crew, cast, all that stuff. Um, so they had room to do whatever they pleased with it, right? So I I knew that it was going to have a similar vibe, but obviously it was going to have its own take, considering that it was a whole other team and a whole other production company doing it. And given that it was Netflix, I feel like they definitely were going to have a lot more freedom to do things with. Um, but, um, no, I, I expected it to be relatively similar to Vikings if it were for most of it. Yeah, I would say I was about the same. Now, I was pretty negative in my my first going into it. I, I went into the first episode pretty begrudgingly. Like, it came out on Friday, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll check it out just to keep an ear to the ground. And I, I actually didn't intend on finishing it, um, but... Like, going into it, I expected it to be like Vikings, but the end of Vikings. And I honestly hated the end of the first season, or the first series. Uh, the last two seasons were a drag. I think they didn't know what they were doing with the the Sons of Ragnar. I don't think they came up with a kind of concrete plan. Uh, I mean, it's no more evident in the fact that they literally had to kill one of them off because they didn't know what to do with him. I mean, Sigurd's Snake in the Eye was supposed to have a much bigger role in history, and they killed him off basically right away because they are like, we, we really don't know what to do with this guy. And I think that just proves they didn't know what they were doing with the brothers. Um, you know, there was a couple standout moments like, uh, you know, Beer and Ironside and uh, and stuff like that. But again, I feel like his character arc peaked in like season three uh, and they, they kind of just drug him, you know, along till the very end. Uh, so I, I didn't expect a lot. Like uh, like Caleb said, there was a lot of love triangles, unnecessary sex scenes, uh, just, you know, giant battles for no other reason than just to have a giant battle. You know, they didn't really make sense uh, killing characters left and right just because, it, you know, they wanted the shock value. I honestly think they, they got pressure from Game of Thrones because these seasons were kind of airing towards the end of Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones was doing really well. So I think they were trying to copy what they were doing. Uh, so having said that, I, I actually think it's good that this series is is pretty different. Like it's not, I mean, it's obviously still around the same subject matter, but I got to say, I, I, I really enjoyed the first episode. Yeah, same. I was I was actually very impressed with it. Um, you know, like I, I expected I was I was already planning on watching it. Um, you know, I had every intention of watching it just to watch it for entertainment purposes. And uh, you know, for me, I, I watched the first episode a little bit later at night and I was so impressed with that. I mean, it was like, well, I gotta watch the second episode. 
so it it definitely got me almost immediately um into it just because of a lot of nuanced things throughout it um that wasn't necessarily as heavily explored in the original vikings tv series yeah i'll say it terry it ended up being better than i thought it was going to be because like i said i just went in with like very low expectations or not really anything just because i i expected it to be kind of crappy because I, I figured going into it i figured it was just like another cast grab just trying to get you know just draw attention to like to the viking stuff because it's still popular but it ended up turning up to be better than i thought it would be it seems like they've got a good story or that they're going towards a good story i mean i just finished the first one so but i will say there was a funny part where uh i guess whenever they were in that camp they just yelled out pagan and i just like looked up because i you know <laughs> i felt like i was being called out <laughs> So I figured uh, just so we don't accidentally spoil anything uh, for any of the audience that would, that would affect uh, the best way to do this since Ian and I are basically done and Caleb's just got into it. I'm just going to roll us through kind of the plot of the first episode. I'm going to allow us to kind of comment on some of the things uh, throughout it. Uh, so right away, we're given the setup that this takes up a hundred. This is a hundred years after Ragnar's time. Uh, so which places us at the 11th century, which anyone that has any knowledge of the Viking age knows that this is the end. And that is no more evident than the fact that the first characters that are introduced to us are Christians. Uh, Harold Sigerson is one of the first characters we see and his brother, uh, his brother who does not last very long. That is not a spoiler. He dies in the first five minutes. Um, but they're all Christian and they're celebrating St. Bryce's Day uh, in England in, during the Dane law. And uh, basically, they are killed because uh, this is actually a thing in history, which surprised me because I, I actually didn't know this is the St. Bryce's Day Massacre was a real thing. Uh, and it was to remove uh, heathens, pagans, uh, the Danes from England. Uh, so it, it is interesting. This is what we're starting with. And I think it sets up really what is going to happen is this conflict between the old world and the new one that is being formed uh, around this time. Yeah, I, I didn't fully understand that that was a real thing as well. And know, uh, Jacob, when you and I kind of talked about it, I kind of compared it to um, the, basically the extermination of like the Knights Templar order on the, the original Friday the 13th. It was very much a very similar kind of a situation. Um, yeah, it is a, it's a very strong start to the show where, yeah, it basically just get rid of all the Scandinavian descendants that settled in to England, basically, and wiped the slate clean, so to speak, by slaughtering everybody, you know, the English way. Well, you know, it's the one thing, that's the one thing we're really good at, like, culture is like Europeans is like, we just kill everything. I would but say that warfare. We, we made that uh, point about like Christianity in general. It's like, they seem to love just like, let's just wipe them all out. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like a good idea. It was like, you know, don't want to deal with them. If we kill them, we don't have to deal with them. We just like <laughs> Well, I mean, and if you really look into it, like, uh, you know, historically, you know, I, I'm sure it's not universal, but a lot of the Germanic and Northern European countries were often okay with cohabitation. I mean, look at the Dane law in general. They were like, no, mm -hmm. we'll live here. It's fine. We don't hate you. Just don't hate us. Um, we see that with the Celts and the German people. We see it, honestly, with the Romans. You know, the Germanic people were like, hey, don't really mess with us, but like, it's whatever. You know, they didn't necessarily aggro against the Romans first. It was the Romans who were like, we want your land and your culture. 
Um, so I would say that the pagan Northern European mindset was a cohabitation mindset, less so. Now, obviously, they bickered and they squabbled and they had minor conflicts. But as far as like extermination and these mass scale ideas, it definitely didn't seem to be on their mind. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I, I, I mentioned to you, Jacob, when we were kind of discussing it, um, that I appreciate that they do kind of show in this um, throughout um, the series. And I, I, they kind of show it in the first episode as well, is that there are those conflicting, you know, you have people on on both extremes of each side of the pagans not wanting to interact with Christians and Christians obviously not wanting to interact with, with pagans. And, you know, they're squabbling and bickering and, you know, talking shit basically to each other. But then you have those on both sides that are, uh, you know, okay with commingling and it's just hey you let me do my thing i'll let you do your thing and you know we're square you know like there's no no harm no foul and i mean honestly you can take that to even to today i mean we there's obviously i've met pagans that despise christians and and you know for whatever reasons and vice versa christians that despise pagans but then there's the majority of us that are in the middle that are just like yeah i let me do my thing and i'll let you do your thing and we'll be fine like it's often a very small group of radicals that like yeah. change the like the mindset of the commoners, so to speak, is they, you know, get them riled up. And that's, you know, like, it's really hard not to talk about later episodes, but this is something you see throughout the show is, you know, a very radical mindset that is allowed to take root. Um, and I think the show does a really good balance. It's so hard not to talk about the whole show uh, of <laughs> showing good Christians and bad Christians, good pagans and bad pagans, at least on a, you know, a binary scale like that. Uh, now, as far as the first main character we're introduced here is Harold Sigurdsson, uh, also known as Harold Hardrada uh, in the larger scale of things, which is quite a famous Viking. So you can actually look this up. Uh, and he is considered one of the last, I mean, he is considered the last great Viking. Uh, and the death of Harold uh, Hardrada is actually considered the end of the Viking Age. So um, all, that's all stuff that, you know, if you know the history, like, you know right away that this is a character that is destined for great uh, things and also a very tragic end, uh, much like Ragnar Lothbrok. Uh, but what was so? I'll I'll save my uh, my opinions of this this character. Uh, what were your thoughts uh, this first introduction to one of the main characters? I'm curious to see here, Caleb's because you and I shared a very similar That's one. True. So I'm curious to see what what Caleb thinks of him initially and see if it matches up. Well, I mean, first uh, first impression off of it, since he's the first character that's introduced and named and everything like that, it seems like he's going to be the main focus, uh, at least for a while. And I would say that, you know, they got a guy that is pretty fair, you know, pretty good looking. And I would imagine that he's basically going to be the guy that, re that replaces, you know, Bjorn Ironside from the Viking show is what I would guess. So our opinion is way too focused on the good looking part. <clears throat> uh, the first, this is actually one of the reasons I wasn't looking forward to the show is seeing the promos of all the main characters. Cause I look at this guy and I see every guru Californian guy with a man bun and a beard that drinks kale juice in the morning. Like this yeah. is a stereotype what this guy looks like. I mean, I have mm -hmm. seen so many people like him that are yogis that have like, you know, they're like open your third eye, but also pay for my $1000 class so I can teach you how to open your third eye. Also, I I drink kale juice and, you know, adopt, you know, puppies from the local shelter. Like this is this is a thing. Like th this is a very stereotypical like, you know, modern male look with the man bun and the beard and, you know, just everything. So I, I was very much just like, I'm expecting this dude to like try to sell me some like health supplements or something like that based on his looks. 
Yeah, for me, for me, it was, it was, yeah, uh, not quite, it was like the arrogance demonstrated is what was, was on like irritating me. But yeah, I, I agree with you though. Like it's, it, there's an aesthetic that they went with for this character and it fit the arrogance level, you know, that I initially picked up on. And I was just like, oh, great, here we go. Here's going to be this, this character that is going to be, you know, I can do anything I want because I am who I am, kind of an individual. And uh, yeah, I initially I was like, I'm going to hate this character. I'm going to hate him. And you know what? I'm not going to be upset if he dies kind of a situation was my initial thought. Well, and, you know, even his father, like, you know, in the, Harold Finehair in history is not, honestly, I don't think as bad as the way Vikings first series portrayed him. Like, he was, like, a, honestly a horrible person. And, like, he was definitely one of the villain figures. I mean, they had the back and forth, like, is he good? Is he bad? Like, no, this guy was pretty, pretty freaking bad. Like, you know, throughout the Vikings series, uh, even though he was quite the impressive ruler, I mean, part of Eagle Saga cover, covers Harold Finehair's story. Um, and it's quite the impressive one uh, if, he, if he was a little rough around the edges, but they focus a lot on the rough around the edges. So coming in from that and, the, you know, he was my great grandfather, like that was supposed to be a good thing. It's like that guy was a terrible person. So this is not like a good start, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was, yeah, just kind of like what you were saying, like looking at where like the bloodline that he came from and then like, you know, just thinking like, oh, OK, yeah, that explains like some of the arrogance and like this guy's going to be probably just as much of an asshole as you know or portrayed as much of an asshole as yeah Harold Finehair was but uh, I don't know so it's, it's overly ambitious is what yeah. they you know they definitely went with so moving ahead to the next big section of this um now this is actually the only thing we see of England the whole time which is uh I, I forgot about I actually went back and watched this episode at least uh in the background while I was doing things uh before this episode so I can remember uh they don't talk about England at all after this like after the St. Bryce's Day Massacre it's over like you don't want to learn more about England until episode two uh so this is mostly focuses on all of our Scandinavian characters uh as there are English characters just like there were in the first Viking series uh, which are, are, are pretty good. And uh, so the next thing we see are the Greenlanders. The Greenlanders are introduced uh, in a pre honestly a pretty good scene. Like I, I really liked the uh, like the giant wave scene uh, as far as them coming over it during a storm. I thought that was it, it was actually pretty, pretty well done. Yeah, I thought that part was good. I will just say I did not like Freitas off of that that first scene because I feel like they just told her get in the front of the boat and act like a goddamn Viking. And then she's just up there screaming. That's all she does for Act like a banshee. <laughs> yeah. No, I I hundred percent agree with you on that one, Caleb, because like at first I was like, oh great, here we go. They like they're looking for this Legatha replacement. And they set the the you know, they dialed it all the way to a hundred right out of the gate, you know. But yeah, I, I had the same thought. I was like, oh god, here we go. Like it's a 2.0 and she's, you know, more, you know, more out there and less reserved than like Legatha is in, in the like in the original series. Um, but I do, I kind of like thinking back on it. I do appreciate how like, I mean, Greenland is not, you know, for those who know, Greenland is not green. It was a whole joke basically. <laughs> and I think that opening scene with them battling through the storm and handling it kind of it was a good testament to like how hardy and like willing to brave some harsh harsh conditions like greenlanders did in that time frame 
So I think it sets them up as a group like very well and showing like how resourceful and how, you know, how willing to handle like, like I said, those harsh conditions they they were. Well, they mentioned it later in the episode that they never saw trees before. And I was like, what? Yeah. I remember like the first time I was watching, I was like, wait, does Greenland actually have zero trees? I know they're very rare in Iceland. I looked up Greenland. It's like, oh my gosh, they have no trees. <laughs> you know, so for them to see trees for the first time is a, is a pretty incredible thing for them. Yeah. Which I'm also sitting here like, how did you build boats? Import, most likely. Yeah, that's the only way you could have done it. Yeah. Uh, but I think Greenland probably was wealthy in the sense of like trading things like furs and or not furs well yeah like polar bear uh whales uh seafaring and stuff like that so they probably got by by trading with iceland and therefore through norway and stuff like that yeah. uh, but still regardless a very very hard life yeah and they, they i'm pretty sure it's the first episode where they mentioned like that's like when they're they first like set foot into the on the docks and into kathy cat and they're just like this is the most people we have ever seen you know like they used to maybe seeing like 40 or so people and they enter a, a you know, catacat even larger than it, it is in the, towards the end of the Vikings TV series. And so they're just like, uh, this is a lot more people than we're used to being around like yeah. in their entire lives, which I also thought was pretty funny. Yeah, they make a mention of it being that they've seen more people in the last uh, couple hours than they've ever been, are on Greenland and Iceland together. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Greenland right now has, I mean, I know it's, like, oh my gosh, how many few people? It's like in the, th the thousands of people because there's only like 300,000 people that live on Iceland. So it's definitely less on that in Greenland today. So I can only imagine what it was like, you know, a thousand years ago, right when it was first uh, founded. Population of Greenland is 56,000 today. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's less people than are in my city. You know, that's like, Lexington is like 350,000 people. So Lexington's about the same size as Iceland. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, so I also, uh, throughout this episode, we see uh, the Norwegian people treating them, the Scandinavian people treating them differently and them being, uh, and acting differently as well. You know, they camped outside of the main group. Uh, you know, they're barred from the feasting hall. Uh, and the fact that they dressed differently was actually something I really appreciated, that they looked different than uh, the regular Scandinavians. The one thing that kept throwing me off was that the one big dude's, like, trench coat looking thing it looks like it's some sort of arctic camo and i'm like why the fuck did they design you with like this white and black splotted arctic camo well, maybe well, I mean, that seal fur yeah seal uh, fur yeah so if you look at <laughs> if you look at some like that's leopard, a big leopard, goddamn seal for that motherfucker hey man leopard seals are pretty big and that's i'm sure if i'm not mistaken those are arctic oh. ocean animals so yeah they would have been around that area but yeah, I I mean it is interesting the show because I mean it's you see that in like in so many different cultures where like yeah you like yeah they're they're part of like your people whether you're Scandinavian or whatever other region but then yeah like you have them on such a remote and removed section from mainland that you're just like uh you know they're they're definitely looked upon as more like I feel like more savage in a in a sense and more like I don't know. Uh, less civilized, as I'm sure is probably the uh, probably more like correct term for, the, for it, you know, uh, compared to like mainland Scandinavia, especially in Norway, where, you know, especially in that time frame, things were definitely picking up as far as, uh, you know, culturally and like just as a, as a civilization as a whole, you know, they were at that time modern. 
Uh, so with this, we have uh, Leif, er- uh, Leif Erikson, not Leif, uh, which yeah, annoys right. Ian, uh, because it, which is a correct pronunciation. I uh, when we were playing games with Blade last night, and he got on, he was like, "Yeah, that Leif Erikson guy." I was like, "I was waiting for you to get him. I was waiting for it." <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have Leif Erikson here, which is another one of our main characters, and obviously Freydis as well. Uh, but Leif uh, is another one that I saw, and I'm like, "This guy looks like he's like 20." Like, who is this guy, and why does he have a, an acting role? Uh, <laughs> which I guess like. I mean, mostly what we know about Leif Erikson is what happened uh, when he goes to Vinland. So it is interesting that, you know, we're getting to see a younger Leif Erikson, like on his rise to being that great explorer. So I guess is what they were going for here. Yeah, his uh, his initial introduction. Uh, I Yeah, there was something like initially about his character, like design, like design, I guess you could say, um, you know, the actor that they chose. Yeah, I, I definitely initially going into it, I didn't think i didn't know actually because i I only watched one trailer and i didn't even realize that they were going to bring leif erickson into it um so i was actually kind of surprised um by his introduction and him being a main character in the show um you know so like i think i had watched the very first trailer when the show was announced and i don't even think they mentioned that that he was you know him by name at least um it's not that i recall so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see him, like you said, in a younger aspect before he becomes a famous explorer and setting up Vinland and stuff like that. Um, you know, and yeah, his character initially is just very quiet and almost it's kind of like awkward to some degree. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly at some points it is a little awkward and hard to watch like his interactions with some people because he's just, you know, he's just not used to being put in the situations that he's being put in and it's kind of like this is cringy sometimes yeah like i i would say of all the characters introduced in this episode he's still the weakest at this point because you know like, like oh go ahead caleb oh no i was just gonna say i, I feel i i understand what y'all are saying and i and i get that i kind of i don't know i kind of connect to to life on the way of like dealing with a lot more people than you're used to because I remember I remember moving to this area after being in you know the town that I was from in Virginia you know there's like I know I've said it like a thousand times like 1500 people in, t- in the town that I'm from Virginia and then I move here and there's you know 10 times that many or damn near in this area so I remember going like going to school even as like a kid and being like real timid and, try- and trying to be quiet reserved just because you know, new place, lots of fucking people, shit like that. But I feel like, like when he gets fucked with and he actually has to fight, like he does good. Yeah, uh, the action scenes, we don't get to see a lot of action in this first episode. Uh, but what there is, I mean, are actually pretty decently choreographed, uh, which has not always been true with the, with the previous Viking series. Um, is any I, I consider, I, I always look at fight scenes on how many cuts they do per action sequence. Now, sometimes this is a stylistic choice. You see this a lot in like uh, a lot of mid-2000s action movies is there's like 20 cuts every second just to show how fast-paced the action is. Uh, but now in this more modern era uh, of action movie, uh, if you're using a lot of cuts, typically that means you're just not very good at choreographing your fights or your actors aren't very good at actually fighting. And so you have to cut a lot to make it look good. Um, and so far, like, uh, at least at this point in the show, they're doing a pretty good job. You know, they're letting the action play out to several hits per time. Uh, I think the best example of a, sh- a movie that does choreograph fights amazingly is John Wick, which is why John Wick is so good. So a lot of the times those sequences are like 15 to 20 seconds long. Like that's 
insane in the action world, sometimes longer. Some of those sequences in John Wick are like almost a minute of uncut footage, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, I don't think Keanu Reeves is a great actor, but he's an amazing choreographed fighter uh, when it comes to when it comes to movies. Well, I think considering that it's um, you know, kind of tapping into that, I'm curious as to see who the fight choreographer would have been, because I know with like the witcher for example i've i've watched a few videos as far as how realistically those fight scenes were based off of people who have studied you know that time periods fighting style based off of you know charters that have remained and you know, survived and stuff like that and that they have knowledge of um you know and considering that it is a netflix series i'm very curious to see if they had potentially used the same the same choreographer or at least the same group because I know that was something like with The Witcher, like a lot of those scenes, like the, you know, the initial, one of the big scenes from that show, at least, was one, for the most part, I think it was only cut a few times, but as far as the, uh, the fight sequence itself, it was one, they intended it to be one long straight, you know, uh, scene, obviously cut to some degree, but, you know, they had to do it multiple times to get it right. Um, you know, and I feel like, they, they've just stepped up their game a little bit but i agree like the, the fights are way more believable and a little bit more realistic in the sense that like it's not so over the top as in some of the fight scenes in like vikings was but they're still very good it's very fluid yeah and i uh, do appreciate watching him beat the shit out of somebody with the handle of an axe which was hilarious uh so to me, one of the weakest components of Vikings, the original series, became Catacat because Catacat was really not remarkable in history at any point, and it became kind of this fantasy realm created by Michael Hurst for what he sees the Viking world as. And we see that continued in this series a little bit. Um, you know, it's probably the most unbelievable part of the series so far. Um, is just like how Catacat again, it's its own fantasy realm, basically. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it was one of the things I'm just like, oh, here we are at Catacat again, like the old crutch, um, you know, so take take with that as you will. But at the end of the day, I was just kind of I was a little upset that they were going to continue the saga at Catacat, which I, I guess just makes sense. Um, but we very quickly are transitioned from Catacat to kind of the plot between Freydis uh, and kind of why they're there. Uh, so we're definitely seeing that plot-driven part, and right away she bangs Harold or Halfton or Harold. 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 Yes. Yeah. Harold. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say they didn't waste any time going straight to the fucking. Yeah. Oh yeah. First conversation. <laughs> it must have been a long ride. It was. Do you want the bang? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, pretty, pretty like, much. Yeah. Like, I'm sure the long ride with the, the long ride with small boat. You want the bath is like make you want a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah and then it just cut i'm like that was the driest like pickup line i've ever heard and it's like there was nothing there like nothing and, like the next scene is just <laughs> so you want to <laughs> you want to know why the action's pretty good guess what the director wrote the screenplay for hmm. die hard oh, oh interesting. <laughs> yeah this guy's oh. uh written this uh, screenplay for die hard uh let's see and a few other things. He's making the Assassin's Creed TV show, which I'm not looking forward to at all. But um, yeah, so interesting. Uh, yeah, a little older, born in 1956, Jeb Stewart. So definitely got well, some maybe, stuff under his belt. Well, maybe there'll be less fucking and more fighting in this. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say from watching ahead, there definitely isn't the heavy emphasis on on sex. You know, sex to me is a crutch in the TV show. I think it can be done well. Um, you know, I think one 
this is a, a tangent, but if anyone watches Outlander, uh, there's a really good, uh, there's a lot of sex in that show. Um, and some of it is not as tasteful as others, obviously. Uh, but there is one, uh, like there's the, the wedding night. Uh, there's a really good, it's like a 30 minute sex scene where the two main characters like have sex several different times. Uh, but they, it's very art, 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 artistically done. Um, as someone who's taken several film classes, there is an art to shooting sex scenes. Uh, and so far, they've done a pretty good job. Uh, so a lot of it, here's your, here's your film lesson. So uh, there's a fine line between tasteful sex scenes and just straight porn to have porn in a show. Uh, and I would, I would definitely say the original Viking sh uh, TV show had just porn. It just had sex scenes because boobs and dicks and asses sell. Uh, and that's that's all they were. But this one starts, like, if you actually, so, okay, bear with me, guys, bear with me. So, <laughs> Brady's and uh, Harold are having sex. And it's the thing you have to pay attention to in shows is how they position them. So, in this instance, Brady's is on top and showing dominance and it's always important to pay attention who has dominance in the sex during a scene and right away if an actual show runner like someone creating a show actually pays attention to this stuff that already uh, you're already ahead and uh, like way above so many other shows if you actually decide who's on the dominant position of sex because here Freddy's right away is in the dominant position um and then she is controlling the scene and how the sex is playing out and this is also where we see her transition into telling about um, you know, why she is there, you know, and the fact that she immediately says that she was, you know, assaulted by somebody sexually as a child, right after being in the dominant position of sex, that tells you something that tells you that that didn't break her, it made her stronger. And so this is when you start d diving into into the nuances of film uh, that makes so shows better. And which is why I, I actually enjoy the show quite a bit, because I can tell that someone paid attention to this shit. Well, I was just going to say that they did it. They did it tastefully, where it was like it was just like a fifteen-second, twenty-second thing, and then it rolled into the next part. But yeah, I mean, I'm ignorant when it comes to yeah. But did I just make? Things. Was that a good argument? You know, to I mean, obviously, you guys know nothing about like the art of sex and film. So was that actually? Does that actually make sense to you guys? No, it, it definitely does. does. Yeah, yeah. The, the the whole thing I was thinking on with it was just like, well, you know, I I figured at some point within the episode one or two, somebody was going to get fucked because you know that's First 20 TV. minutes yeah <laughs> but you know i feel like there's there's definitely good ways to do it bad ways to do it and as long as it, as long as it's done in a way that it works with the story then you're not just forcing it like it was in the last what three seasons of vikings yeah yeah well then, and i i good. and i think it shows a good like difference between like life as a character initially as being very reserved and freddy's like being very forward and very like you know knows what she wants well yeah the um, first time she sees the guy that you know uh, assaulted her she's like i'm gonna go kill him right now just like in the middle of the street and she does not care and then yeah. when she actually does do it at the end of the episode she's sitting there you know olaf's got the axe is just about to chop her head off and she's like yeah let's do it <laughs> you know so yeah. that's definitely and so uh i think her her as a character um and again you know foreshadowing to later in the show i mean she's become one of my favorite characters um, and I don't think it's revealing a lot because we see that that in this episode is she is the pagan representative of the show and she goes through a very pagan journey throughout it. And the fact that she actually is selected, we, I mean, we kind of had Floki in the original series as the pagan representative, uh, but she is very, very affirmatively put in that position, uh, in just a few episodes and, you know, and it's already hinted at here as she was already giving offerings as well. 
but see, that's one of the things I was getting ready to say I wanted to talk about was just like the, the small uh, pagan elements that it shows in the first episode. Because for, one of the first things I noticed was that little necklace that she wears. And it looks like it's, uh, it's like a polar bear. And then it looks like two runes facing this way, I want to say. And then there's yeah. something else over here. I couldn't tell if they were both fish or just one of them was fish. I know one but of them I liked, fish. But I liked how it's such a small thing. But, you know, it looks like it's carved of bone or ivory or something like it. And that, you know, that's very realistic to the sort of thing that they that somebody would have wore at that time or even nowadays. Because I know I have some things that are similar to that. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of emphasis on crosses and stuff like that, too, and the different religious symbols and uh, a lot of dichotomy. Look at me pulling out those film terms. Dichotomy between... Oh, no, I, that word kept floating in my head when I was watching. It's like, <laughs> I'm just waiting to see how many times Jacob says the word dichotomy. Dichotomy. <laughs> I still don't even know what the fuck that word means, but I know it's fancy. <laughs> the conjecture between. <laughs> uh, but there, there is a lot of emphasis on the crosses and the various crosses that the, the people are wearing. Yeah, I, I think like looking at it from like the pagan aspect, too, like the very it's very nuanced things, like kind of just sprinkled throughout. And I feel like those, you know, who are, you know, practitioners of the faith like nowadays, like today. I feel like are definitely going to be the ones that appreciate that and definitely pick it out more so than say your average Joe Schmo that's not necessarily part of the faith or, you know, is, you know, part of a different faith or, what, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate the, the nuanced detail that they throw into it. And I know like Jacob, you and I were talking about it and we're convinced that there's probably somebody that's part of this team that that, like, that filmed this, this TV show or the series that is probably pagan because the, the nuanced things that they throw in there is stuff that you're just like, mm, there's to some degree, like research can only get you so far with, with doing some of these things. But there's like another level that like, what if you know, you know, and you're just kind of like, well and something we mentioned right away is the fact that they the first offering they show in this is a votive offering i mean an offering without blood or animal sacrifice it's just a small little burning um and they show this later in the show as well uh and that that emphasis now there are larger sacrifices later uh but at least right away it's interesting that this is someone's first impression you know right away they're seeing this as their introduction into the faith and i think that's a very powerful statement even right there in itself you know, it, again, it shows that nuance of understanding. I liked that small little offering that she did. And it wasn't anything big. She wasn't being loud about it or crazy or anything like that. It was very reserved. And I couldn't tell the language that she was speaking. It sounded like German because I kept hearing Bitta. I would um, assume it's Old Norse. I would too, but it, I don't know if Bitta is actually a word in Old Norse. I know it is in German. Though. Um, oh, if only I had my old... No, like uh Scandinavian dialect uh, dictionary here. Let's see if bitter is in here. Yeah, I know that it comes from a Germanic root, so it's definitely possible that it could be, but I just, I don't know. So the word bitha, so it's, bitha. maybe she said bitha, it means to stand and waiting in the same place. Hmm, that could be it. It was definitely very similar to that. Yeah, to abide or wait for, uh, or to wait for me here. That kind of makes sense with like the way that she was like the, the mission that she was there to do. So, yeah. So you guys want to see like my insanity here. So no one's going to be able to see this at uh, listening to this, but I have in my hands right here. Oh, my camera's right here. This is an old Icelandic poetic edda. 
Look how thick this song bitch is. Like, <laughs> dude, it's so huge. much bigger than a normal one. 507 pages just for the Poetic Edda. And then, like, each of the pages is, like, pretty small. Uh, and then I have an Old Icelandic dictionary. Now, Old Icelandic and Old Norwegian are not exactly the same, but they're pretty much identical. Uh, so there's small little nuances, but these are the only things I could find. So I'm actually translating for myself the Poetic Edda at the moment, and it's a, a grueling process. Hey, that's cool. I didn't know that was a project you were working on. It's grueling, um, but I, I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to punish uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that I really liked that I felt like it was, honestly, it, it, I could definitely see it being a thing back in that time frame, but definitely something that sets us apart nowadays uh, was the fact that Leif gets seen walking through that camp by another pagan, and he catches him and just notices that tattoo coming down on his hand. Yeah. And that's how he distinguishes that he's a page. Well, and this isn't something, again, that's kind of alluded to later. I'm, I'm very much trying not to spoil things, but like, you know, <laughs> just alluding to them because you see them. And that's again, why I think this was a, is actually a good show is because they have things that they allude to. Um, if you have, I mean, we're in a bare minimum of entertainment nowadays where there's not a lot of effort put into shows anymore. And so for someone to actually sit down and plan things out for a series where they're like, we're going to allude to thing, uh, things in the first episode we're going to explain later or, or expand on that are small and don't really draw attention to. That shows you actually know what you're doing, and it makes me very excited in this modern day. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the fact that tattoos were important, uh, you know, to, the, to this, you know, what they're setting up. And then later on, we see uh, Christians who were converted from pagan actually, like, remove their tattoos through burning them off uh, is something we see later. Um, and so the, the show that that tattooing was part of the religious uh, connection is, I, I think, really cool. Yeah, I agree. And I kind of like what you were saying, Caleb, to like tie that into like modern, you know, like our, our situations today. I mean, Jacob, you've had conversations started because of your tattoos. All you know, yeah, I've I've had a few like one of the nurses that works uh, in the building that I work in has a bind rune on her on her left forearm. Uh, near her wrist and i didn't even know she had it until one day i was talking to her and i just happened to notice it out of the corner of my eye and i asked her about it you know i played dumb just to kind of see what she knew you know like how much she knew about it um you know and she like it's funny because she kind of like stuttered initially with like explaining it as far as like how to best explain it so i think she's like i think she's one of us i didn't really go that that <laughs> far into it but yeah she said that you know it's a it was a you know she said viking like like rune i was like oh i know what it is you know, no, oh, i have I know. you know i just wanted to see like her explanation of the sleeve right but yeah it is it is you know interesting to look at it like that where a lot of us you know in the community and you know the not just the discord community but the community as a whole like a lot of us have you know very traditionally done you know whether it's fine rune tattoos or just pagan tattoos in general um and the the reason I think that uh, we we have assumed that pagans had tattoo. I mean, it's it's a pretty large assumption. Like I I know scholars argue it all the time, but a lot of us commoners down here have just assumed that pagans and tattoos kind of go hand in hand. And I think it's because Christianity for the longest time, at least Puritan Christianity, maybe not so much Catholic, uh, was very anti-tattoo. And typically, if they're anti-something, it means they're trying to remove your pagan roots. Like there's a lot of that coming together. Um, and so the the see you know these people in this conversion era where they had a ton of tattoos and then happen to strip that away then the next generation doesn't have them makes sense yeah i mean and you know even if we don't have we don't have any real proof that people that lived in uh scandinavia at that time had tattoos 
or even practiced it, but every area, like every culture in the world has some sort of tattoo, even the native Americans right. here in the U S and no matter where you go in the world, you'll find some sort of thing of tattooing. I didn't even know that the Arabs used to practice tattooing. I learned that recently. Didn't know anything about that for the longest time. But like pre-Ottoman empire kind of stuff. I think there was, um, apparently this was a thing like it. I don't know exactly where they was. It just said, like I was just scrolling through Instagram and I followed this thing called Archaeological Inc. Uh, and it shows me things from like all over the world. That's like little bits of history here and there and the other, whatever. Um, but it was these women that they are very old now. I think they're like, they look like they're in their seventies or eighties. And they have these very, very faded hand poke tattoos that were actually done with this green herb that they crushed up themselves. But it's been outlawed since certain uh, religious groups have come in and taken power. They're not allowed to do that but it was a thing that they, that they were taught when they were very young and they taught it to their children, but now it's illegal. Interesting. Well, um, I know kind of like, as far as uh, more on the, like an archeological aspect, I know there are, there have been um, mummified bodies, you know, in different parts of like Siberia and a few other, you know, farther North countries that were frozen and stuff like that, that actually did have like tattoos on their skin because they were so well-preserved, they were able to actually look at some of them. So I know there is, there is some legitimate archeological like uh, findings of well-preserved bodies basically that did have markings that are from some of those regions. I believe there was one up in like uh, in some of the more harsher parts of Siberia. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, talk about that in my misconception video. Um, mm-hmm. Is yeah, and it's like a really int- intricate tattoo too. It's like a yeah. uh, it's like a deer goddess or something like that. Oh, um, you're talking about the Scythian princess. Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think one of the Germanic bodies, like the bog bodies, I believe had tattoos on it as well. Uh, I think you're I think you're right as yeah. I think there was that yeah. one as well. Um, and it, I, like. I was going to say, like, uh, one of the things that's weird about just like the the balance between like scholarly uh, what we know and like what we can infer is that like a lot of the times they separate Germanic and Scandinavian, and it, like it makes sense in some degrees, but at the same time they're so close religiously that to find a sacrificial body with tattoos on it, you know, leads me to believe that there was most likely people with tattoos, you know, in Scandinavia. But like since it's like, well, we didn't find a bog body in Scandinavia, we can't really say that. It's like, but you found one in Germany. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's I feel like if you're just wanting to if the scholars are wanting to find like irrefutable evidence, I mean I get that. It's that way you don't have any room for misconception, this, that, or the other, whatever. But I mean it's pretty it's fairly safe to assume and to say that more than likely they had it. We just don't have any good surviving. Yeah, to what extent so. they had it, we don't know. And the, yeah. the thing is, like, uh, it seems like we we say we don't really know to what extent they automatically go to they most likely didn't have many. But mm-hmm. it could have very well be they had a lot. It's just we can't prove one or another. So they tend to err on the side of caution and say, well, we don't really know how much, so we're going to say they didn't have a lot. But yeah. I, will, I will say that, like, one of my favorite scenes from the Viking show was when Buren goes out and kills that bear. And then while he's out there in the fucking wilderness, I can't remember if it's before or after he kills the bear, he puts together that shit, makes some ink, and then tattoos himself. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that's just because I do hand pokes or what, but I was just like, yes, <laughs> get that shit. 
so to progress the uh, the conversation here, uh, we're, we're actually doing pretty good on time as far as everything. Uh, I, I do want to mention another character that's introduced here is King Olaf, or Jarl Olaf, I, I, I suppose he is. Uh, let's talk about old Jarl Olaf. Is that the guy that ends up being the King Olaf that we read about in that book? Yes. So That's what I thought. He's so, an asshole. Yeah, yes. so it kind of sucks. Is if they they maintain some form of historical accuracy, this guy does actually become the king of Norway, which kind of sucks. Uh, because King Olaf, if this is the same King Olaf, which seems like they're building that character, uh, King Olaf is actually sainted as being the one who converted Norway, um, and so and he was very aggressive about it and not very nice about it, and basically said, "Convert or die." And we see that already right here in the first episode. He basically says, look at all these pagans. We can have a mass conversion. You know, so clearly he's stating his goal and this goal does not really change. Uh, is He, he really uh, aggressively wants to convert Norway. Uh, and so, again, it, it's nice to see. It, it sucks. I mean, as someone, as pagans viewing this show, it's not going to be a good time. Trust me, it's not going to be a good time for us because we're at the end here, guys. We're at the end, which means we're going to watch it die. Uh, but it is nice that they're showing that it wasn't like that. It wasn't this glorious thing. Like obviously, uh, King Olaf was sainted, uh, because to the Catholic church, he did a great thing, but you know, to us normal everyday pagans, he did a horrible thing. Cause he literally like put people to death because they wouldn't convert. I mean, he was one of the nastiest sons of bitches there was as far as like converting him. And I'm pretty sure he's sainted as Olaf the good. An asshole. That's all I have to say about him. Yeah. The character just named Olaf real... the Sun Bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, immediately despised that character and has not changed at all. There's no, there's no scene throughout. Like what I, you know, I'm almost finished with it, and there's not a single scene involving him that I just do not, you know. No, like, he's just got an untrustworthy face. Yeah, he's an asshole. Like I said. Now, uh, did the so since you just watched this, uh, Caleb, did the show get you a little bit as far as the person that Fradius was trying to kill? It's like I thought she wanted to kill him. There yep. was no indication that it was his buddy. So every scene, since so I just watched it again, every scene that she kind of glares at him, his buddy's always behind him. Yeah, that's what I was telling Amber. Is like she was like, I, I thought that they were that they were gonna kill the, uh, that guy, and I was like, no, hopefully they don't. I was going through the hell episode like they're gonna kill another fucking king before he can be king, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was no no indication to it. I mean that his character draws so much more attention and I don't know if it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's just because the, I don't know the attention that they give him or the status that he has or what, but the, but his little, his little lurking buddy, I guess is what I'll call him. I guess he's like his shadow. Yeah. I didn't know that was him. Yeah. It was a nice, I, I mean, I don't know if it like really had, it was a nice little switcheroo. I mean, it, it was a, it was good ruse for an episode. I mean, does it does it play any plot convenience. Not really. Uh, it allowed them to do some creative things, which again, I'm happy to see. I'm, I'm glad to see shows doing creative things where, you know, really, unless you really paid attention, you weren't, because uh, like the only nuance that you would have noticed is that the, the cross that Leif showed earlier was not the cross that he was wearing. And I did notice that. And I, I was like, too, and I was like, was oh, that's like, odd. That's definitely not the cross. Maybe pay attention to it. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure his buddy that is killed, you don't actually see his cross until the very end. Like as soon as she comes to go kill him, you see the cross and it's very clearly the cross pictured. Uh, so again, I don't I don't really understand why they did it besides to, to, to literally the purpose of rusing us. But I'm glad it was successful because everyone I've talked to was like, I actually didn't realize it wasn't him um, because he just looks like a guy you want to kill. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, some bitch. 
<laughs> Maybe it's he kind of looks like the guy if you've seen Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, like uh like her like her therapist that like assaults her and like kidnaps her and stuff. He kind of looks like him, so I'm just like, oh, it's definitely that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and like I'm like I was talking to like when you and I were talking about Jacob, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's the same actor um who's in a couple of different like period pieces. I'm pretty sure he plays I'm one of the right now. Yeah, one of the brothers from Troy, the one that is like the movie Troy, that is the king that has Helen of Troy, basically. Pretty sure Johannes, it's Johannes Hawker Johannesson is his name. Holy Scandinavia. Right. He'd be, he'd be too young to have played the king of uh, the king maybe. of Sparta that you're talking about. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah, it's, he'd be um, too young for well, that. Could be then also like he also looks like the guy that plays. Again, an asshole character in the movie Kingdom of Heaven, which is a a, a, a later movie than after Troy. Um, so because there's a, he was in Game of Thrones in two episodes. Yeah, so he's still like kind of a. He was know, in the la- oh, he was in the Last Kingdom as well. He's in the Last Kingdom. Oh, okay. yeah, episode. Yeah, that's probably where he looks for season two, uh, episode three, season two, episode uh, two. And a character named Fairy. I don't remember him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was one of the slavers. Oh, maybe. Which would make sense. He just has that face, yeah, apparently that I just associate with all just not cool people. He's in a lot of uh, Scandinavian television. I mean, obviously. (laughs) He was in the story of uh, uh, the story of fire. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Guys, he he was the Yaya Ding Dong guy. He was play more Yaya Ding Dong. He's that guy. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Oh my god! My life is a lie. <laughs> well, I suppose he didn't really like the one thing that like you and I talked about, Jacob. Like this show definitely stepped up the beard game. Oh yeah! Like every single one of these dudes, really, besides Leif and Harold, have just the greatest beards ever. Like it's ridiculous, and I feel like that's probably why because I don't think the Yaya Ding Dong dude had a beard in that movie, did he? Uh, he had a smaller beard. Small one. Well, he definitely doesn't in this. It is, you know, he could literally like sweep a floor with his face if he wanted to, and it would be clean. But <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. <sighs> my mind is blown right now. I mean, I'm pretty oh. sure. I'm pretty sure. As soon as I saw the name, it was like Yans or something like that. Well, since we're talking about like these other characters and stuff like that, the uh, the guy I don't know who the guy is who played King uh, Newt. Can you? But- Canute, yeah, Canute. yeah, yeah, but I really like I like how his character is. Mm-hmm. And he basically tells a lot to go fuck himself. Yeah, he uh, initially like I was I was very curious. I was like, oh, not curious, cautious about him as a character. Uh, you know, I was just curious to see how or cautious to see how they were going to use him throughout the the show and kind of like his demeanor on a lot of things and like obviously his true intentions and whatnot. But he very quickly becomes one of my favorites. Because, yeah, he is one a bit of a badass. And, yeah, it, he's he knows what he wants and he goes for it, basically. Okay, okay, he was not the Yaya Ding Dong guy. He looks very oh, similar. Oh. He was apparently just some other side character. I'm less impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Complete 180. Ugh, never mind. Jacob, I was so hyped. Jacob thought his life had changed. Dude, I was. My world was shattered, Yaya bro. Dingo. I was like, I don't, I can't look at this guy the same. Like he's over here destroying paganism, and all I'm gonna see is play more Yo Yo Ding Dong. <laughs> oh, 
So uh, I guess you feel better now? I don't know. I'm confused. He's <laughs> conflicted right now, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the car listened to us were just like, oh my god! And then now they're they're feeling the same way. I, yeah, I almost didn't say it, but I didn't want to be, you know, corrected later, so I, I felt I felt needed. Felt um, obligated to... <laughs> yeah, I felt obligated to, to break everyone's heart as well. Uh, but yeah, on to King Canute. Um, you know, right away, I, I, I like his speech. Uh, he has a very Leonidas uh, look, especially with the big black beard um, and the way he talks. Um, he's very, very Leonidas in that aspect. Um, and he's a he's a complicated character. Now, I can't tell which Canute this is. There's several Canutes throughout history, obviously. And I believe this is the King Canute that does hold the throne of England uh, for like 20 years, uh, according to history. Um, and does actually have an empire called the North Sea Empire. Like I looked all this up, and I'm like, huh, I didn't know these things. So this show is uh, impressing me in the sense that I am looking these things up I didn't know before. Like the North Sea Empire was a thing for quite a while. It was a unification of England and the Scandinavian countries as an empire. That's pretty cool. That's some Crusader Kings shit. I mean, you know, that was hard to do in Crusader Kings was to form an empire involving England and the Scandinavian countries. That's not easy. Pain on your dick. Yeah. So like after, most things in that game. Right. So after, you know, looking at all this and seeing like, you know, the care, the cast of characters they brought in, I'm like, these all, all these characters are destined for big things. Now, whether they're good or bad are, you know, up to the show's interpretation, I suppose. Uh, but they actually do have, and this was one of my worries going in is they weren't going to have any good content without Ragnar there. Um, but it seems like they've been able to pull some interesting characters from history, um, which same deal with original series. Now these characters really existed in the same universe around each other, and they've kind of all thrown them together. Now, they, they were all around the 11th century. These are 11th century figures, but I, I can't tell if they were actually interacting. So they're, they're definitely pulling them from all areas. Yeah, which, I mean, it makes sense for the story that they're trying to do. They're trying to make this big saga sort of thing. So they're going to pull all the big names from that that time frame. And one thing, which I'm sure y'all probably know the answer to if y'all have already watched the entire or most of the, the season. But I'm a, I'm guessing that you're going to see more like uh, Berserkir and Ufitnod, uh, because most of them, whenever uh, King Harold, whenever Harold Finehair takes over Norway, he basically most of them get pushed out and they leave and go to to Iceland historically yeah so i'm assuming they were gonna that that's gonna be a bigger part in the things because they're well i mean they're big into killing polar bears and shit like that i'm sure that would be a big totem animal if you're someone from greenland or iceland yeah no there's a reference to polar bear later it's pretty funny um one thing i really hope they do in this show which it's i mean if they have harold uh sigurdsson in this show um is the battle of stanford bridge i believe if i have a if i guess of what this show is going to do is the last season will show the battle of Stanford bridge um, because that is the, the end of the Viking era. But uh, this is also the, the famous story of the Viking that holds off the entire English army by himself on the bridge. Uh, so I, if I hope they do it and I hope they do it justice. Cause that's obviously one of the most baller Viking stories is the Viking who just holds off a single army by himself on a bridge. <laughs> Which, in, I mean, really and truly it's not, it wouldn't be that difficult to do if it's not that wide of a bridge because that's basically the same thing that the, the Greeks did to the Persians whenever they tried to go through the uh, Pass of Thermopylae. Yeah. Was they had, there was one narrow spot they had to go to and the army could only be so wide. So you put a shield wall there, they can't get through it. 
<laughs> literally a meme I saw pop up here. Everyone, wow, the Spartans held an entire army with only 300 men. They were so badass. Meanwhile, some Norwegian dude with an axe on Stamford Bridge. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, goodness. Yeah, so to kind of uh, lead us into the end, so we have the feast at the end, uh, and again, we're given this conclusion of, uh, you know, revenge, you know, revenge killing and this conflict between Christians and, uh, and pagans, obviously, and Christian law taking over for Dane law. Uh, as far as revenge and things like that, uh, we we are, we are introduced briefly to uh, Jarl uh, Hakon, uh, as well as the who is the Jarl of uh, Katakat at this time, uh, an interesting character uh, who right away isn't given much explanation, but later on is, and I'm actually pretty happy with the character. She's definitely one of the defenders of paganism, uh, which is something I can respect. Um, so yeah, lots of after watching the first episode. Well, here's the question to you, Caleb, since you haven't watched any of the others. After watching the first one, did you want to go and watch the second one? I mean, yeah. I wanted to go ahead and watch the second one. And I was like, fuck, no, I got to go. You got to go talk, talk about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, whenever I first saw Yarl Hacken or Hakon, what would you say her name was? I think it's, they pronounce it Hakon. I don't know if that's actually right, but Hakon. But it, it, it threw me off whenever I first saw her. I was like, what? What? Yeah, but, uh, but no, so they I mean, actually very expertly, you know, I think the best way to put this is uh, the this, I think it's the third episode. They actually give an explanation and she actually calls it out like shit is they're like they're trying to talk about it. And, you know, because uh, the Greenlanders are seeing all these people like Asian and African and they're kind of asking questions like oh, what's going on? Oh, like, what is this world? We're from Greenland. And, you know, how did this all happen? And, you know, Yara Haikon's just like she literally says, look at me. <laughs> you know, she's basically just like, I'm a byproduct of this world. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. I'm glad they gave it. They gave a good explanation. Um, I think yeah. it's the best way to go about it. Yeah. The thing I was going to say was like, it remi- like when I was there thinking on this, like, well, it's historically known that like one of the, there's a, a fairly good percentage of people from Iceland that can uh, have Mongolian in their DNA because one of the, I don't remember if it was a chieftain or if he was a Jarl or what he was. I can't remember the exact time frame but there was some uh, some man there a power that had brought had taken a mongolian wife or a slave or something like that ended up having children with her and then his uh, i think it was the one of his first sons was basically half mongolian and half scandinavian and he became like a really good warrior and there's yeah. a lot of a lot of people in uh, iceland now can trace their lineage back to him yeah well and i mean even like you know if you see like traditional sami people i mean sami are very 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 like siberian asian uh looking mm-hmm. um and you know and w- at this point definitely late viking age the silk road would have been very much running uh vikings were very tapped into the train that, yeah. uh so i mean to you know again catacat is a fantasy world i, I want to make sure people know that this is a fantasy but th- it is it is possible that a trade city like this existed uh that had connections to the silk road that had connections to the extensive river systems and would have had a very multicultural trade network uh now it would have been like what we have today no it wouldn't be like our trade cities today but it would have been a very early example of a trade port city um uh, that could have existed uh yeah, and, and i mean the more the, sorry the, the more okay. uh it, the more the more and more time goes on, like it seems like every year or every couple of years, they find some other artifact or some other piece of history that shows that uh, the ancient world was much more connected than we've ever given it credit. Because I think even shit, I think even going back to Utsi, the Iceman, uh, the guy who was found with all the tattoos in the Alps, uh, he had copper that it came from like southern Italy or somewhere down somewhere down that way, and he I think they said that they 
figured this out some way. And he was from, I want to say Austria or somewhere, maybe a little bit far, further north than that. So he traveled a good ways in his time. And I mean, the materials did as well, but I think they found, I think they found that the Celts in what is now France or somewhere in that region or area actually had some things from Asia. And they, they suspect that there was some manner of trade that came between Asia and, you know, modern day France. I can't remember the exact things right off the top of my head. I'd have to go and find the articles and things that I read, but it well, seems like the ancient world was much more connected than we thought. Yeah. And as far as like, you know, and, and coupling and stuff like that, and, you know, you know, Vikings taking foreign wives and things like that. I mean, even looking today, like one of the, the weird facts about Japan is if you go there as an American male, no matter your attractiveness level, like you, the Japanese women go crazy for American men. And it's like, obviously that's like a universal thing you're saying like, well, you know, that's not true for every woman in Japan, but it is a thing like, you know, American men are very prized uh, to date in Japanese modern culture. Um, and it's the same, you know, basically, you know, they're so used to having Japanese men to see someone from a different culture is attractive to them. And so it only makes sense that Vikings traveling the world. And that's the uh, example here given from uh, Hakon is, you know, uh, Jarl went to like Alexandria and fell in love with a, a woman from yep. there and brought her back. You know what? That makes sense. And, uh, you know, as soon as they said that to me, I was like, it's good. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, hi, Miri. <laughs> I was going to set down my glass and in route, she jumps onto the table. So I kind of like bonk her head with the glass. So, so again, uh, Caleb, for you here, having just watched the first episode, what are your predictions for where the show is going to go? This might be fun for Ian and I. Well, obviously they're going to go to England. I don't know exactly where it's going to show it how it's going to be exactly i'm sure there's going to be they've alluded to wanting to attack london so i'm sure that's going to be part of it if not done in the middle of the season it'll probably be something they're building up to or do by the end of it um not sure entirely as far as like how everything's going to play out but i'm expecting to see i'm expecting eventually to see like uh canute stuff down in denmark i'm expecting to see more of the like the norwegian royal family um, cause we've not seen the King of Norway yet. And I'm expecting to see like Greenland and or Iceland at some point, and maybe even, maybe even like Northern, uh, the, the Northern part of Great Britain, Scotland, Ireland, something like that. Cause I'm not sure exactly where the show's going to go or if everything's going to go to plan. And I'm supposedly, sure I, I think if I remember correctly, Eric Bloodaxe is still alive. I think like their life, Erickson's father. Yeah. Eric the Red. Yeah. Eric the Red. Yeah. Yeah, I believe there is mention that he is still alive. Because I think they ask about him within the first episode. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. so I assume we're going to see him. That he is... uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, what did I kind of turn like? There's a lot of A, eh? a lot of stuffy. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, sound like you're part of, part of my country. Right yeah. <laughs> hang out with you too much. I'm still waiting for you to get your damn accent all the way back. So you start sounding like a fucking Canuck. Just sound, uh, slowly <laughs> coming back. Just say back. <laughs> Big, big. Say what, aunt? <laughs> yeah. Does, say your say your aunt has a bag. My aunt has a bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that aunt was was supposed to be pronounced aunt until I met people from up north. Yeah, really? look at the way it's spelled. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know. I didn't want to say aunt. It's a n t. It's a fucking insect name called an ant. Well, here in Kentucky. 
fuck you. <laughs> no, it's, it's always been an ant. Yeah. Oh, from. Don't tell me what to do. Oof, yeah. that's all I gotta say. <laughs> Oof, the fuck. But uh, I, I definitely, I expect us uh, after this conversation. I, I feel like it went well. Uh, nice deep dive. I assume we're gonna do an episode where we just do a full spoiler talk. I assume we're gonna do that after uh, you guys finish the show. Uh, so we'll plan for that here in a few weeks. Uh, if people want to join in on that, that full spoiler discussion. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was very impressed. Uh, my final thoughts after the first episode uh, are overall just very impressed with the nuances they were able to show, which I, I honestly didn't expect after the the last trash seasons of the the last season of Vikings. I'll say this: like I know this this isn't really connected to this, but watching this show has got me like excited and hopeful that. Uh, whenever they do the next part of Barbarians, it'll actually be really good. I'm hoping that they can do something good with that because I love that show. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think I think this is setting up a better premise um, for potential future shows involving, you know, just you know, Scandinavian Viking culture, German, ultramanic, you know, et cetera. Like, I think it's, I think this is setting a very solid standard. Like, yeah, I agree. Barbarians from like a historical aspect and like coming from, you know, and exploring a different region that's not Norway or Denmark or Sweden or anything like that. And actually being in old Germania, uh, you know, is a nice, is a refreshing take on, you know, a very similar culture but obviously with their own nuance differences and their own different, you know, uh, issues. And, you know, instead of dealing with England, they were dealing with the Romans. Um, but I feel like both of these, yeah, I feel like both of these shows are definitely giving a better standard for future productions, I would say. And again, yeah, like Jacob and I had discussed uh, on our own was uh, pretty convinced there's some, there's some, True believers hidden within some of these uh, production teams. Oh yeah, and, some uh, of the and very again, nuanced things. later on, like as the show progresses, like yeah, there's some pretty good pagan moments, honestly. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing y'all got me excited about wanting to watch the rest of the show now. So like, I just want to see these pagan elements. I mean, literally, episode was it five? I think it's called the daughter, the daughter of Uppsala or something like that. Uh, it's episode six because I just watched that one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's some there's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and I would say it's a more mature understanding. I mean, if you think about it, the original show came out 2012 or 2013. Um, oh, yeah, you know, sounds right. Yeah, and I mean, it really was one of the things that launched this modern reawakening or a re like reinvigorated this awakening of heathens across the world. Um, you know, again, I, I kind of talked about this in the misconception video. Uh, in, a, in a positive way, you have to thank it. I mean, think of all the people that are tied to that show. I mean, Wardruna, uh, Heinlong in the later city, uh, seasons, uh, O.C. and the Jupiter, Anilla. Uh, I mean, so many bands got tied to that show uh, and got bigger because of them. Wardruna probably owes a lot of its modern success to uh, the Vikings TV show, honestly, um, and the, the, the all the hype that came around it. And so uh, it, it, it definitely shook and changed the heathen world. Uh, some people definitely don't think for the better. But I think this new show shows a better understanding of uh, modern heathen practices, and I am happy for that. Same, definitely agree with that. As if the, yeah, if anything, that any way to best describe this current show, that would be it. Is that it definitely sheds a better light on a lot of things, and I feel like they they took the time to either legitimately research stuff, 
regarding like the faith aspect of it or again there's got to be somebody within that production team that is a believer <laughs> right well i mean the chances are pretty high i mean you get a yeah. bunch a lot of those people on the show are scandinavian uh as far as actors and stuff like that so the chances are oh did you guys know that uh Mirkor actually did the intro for this one Wait, who uh Mirkor. i don't think i'm uh, actually familiar with that group it's a it's a single woman like uh like she does oh, like that yeah, like exactly house carpenter um yep, i know exactly what you're talking about now yeah 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 so she did like the uh the opening like ah, so i don't know if she did the whole song but she did uh like the uh like the the howling. please sorry please sound clip that <laughs> <laughs> oh bro i'm singing for the uh ohio star gathering so i'm about to uh, suck it up and put that on uh i want i want that that particular <laughs> Sound clip, so I can put that as a ringtone for you specifically on my phone. So you're just sitting in bed all of a sudden. I'm just gonna call you random times of the night if you do that. You're sitting oh there trying to sleep. <laughs> you can't. Every time you do that, I keep thinking of that fucking Frozen from probably uh, the second one. I'm pretty yeah, sure my daughter is obsessed in Frozen. I'm pretty sure she's the one that does that in Frozen too. Hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, so with that beautiful singing voice, we should probably go ahead and start concluding this episode. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining in for all this Viking content here. Uh, it does slow down a little bit. So, uh, Viking age sports came out today. As far as my YouTube channel, uh, if you're listening to this on the Monday, it came out. Uh, so, or I mean, Sunday night, it's the one coming tomorrow. If you're the 200 people that listen to this right when it comes out. Uh, so, and then Wednesday I have a video about, uh, which is a complete 180 is not about Viking stuff. It's about medieval Icelandic law from the Gragas laws, uh, which is very, a very niche video. And I definitely wanted to, to pay out, uh, my re reoccurring viewers that are tired of me talking about Vikings. So don't worry, Wednesday, uh, it comes back. Just me talking about the more nuanced stuff. That's just for you really. Uh, the next week I'm talking about, uh, the nine realms. Uh, we got a lot of really cool stuff coming up on the podcast as well. We've been planning some cool, uh, cool interviews here. Uh, next week, we talk to uh, Lauren in our community, and we talk about serpents and dragons in Norse mythology. Uh, so it should be a good episode as well. And if you're interested in being on the Folk Podcast, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com, and we may very well have you on the show. Just make sure you uh, kind of let us know what you want to be on for, uh, and we kind of figure out if we want to do an episode around that. Uh, last thing I'll say here is we have launched our nonprofit. So if you haven't already, uh, I mean, there's a over a thousand of you, you know, weekly listeners that definitely tune in every single time. Uh, so if you haven't already, we have a newsletter sign up if you want to learn more about our gatherings. Uh, so head over to northerntraditions.org uh, to check that out. Uh, there should be links on my Instagram page as well uh, to get more involved with the community and possibly attend a gathering. And also, wow, we're, we're doing hall stuff here really soon, so we're going to be pushing for the hall here, uh, which is really exciting. So we're going to be doing that next wave of fundraiser. Uh, so I'll be releasing a video. We'll be talking about it here, and I'm sure we'll have all that stuff available for you as soon as it is ready to release. Other than that, thank you so much. I'm out of breath. And until the hall, skull. Skull. Skull.